Hey guys, it's me again. Welcome back. Um, I don't think I've ever said this before, but I love to do Bible reading. Um, but if you would also like to do the Bible reading, then I'm the person to talk to for that because I do the rosters. So please remember to speak to me if you are being feel like you're being called to that. So today we're reading 2 Kings 2 verse 1 to 18. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and said and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over the dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will not be yours. I mean, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed, on, bowed to the ground before him. Look, they said, we are your servants. We, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and set him down on some mountain or in some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days, but they did not find him. When they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, 
didn't I tell you not to go? And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Chanel, for bringing that word to us. So obviously we are concluding our series in Elijah tonight because he gets taken and he is gone. And uh, I think if we were to consider... Um, what is happening in this passage and to look at our own personal lives we'd be able to say we're all on a journey a spiritual journey and some of us are just at the beginning of that journey some of us are well advanced on that journey and some of us are still trying to find our way and that's actually okay when we look at this passage of scripture uh, that we've had read out to us this evening uh, there's two men who are on a journey and we have Elijah who appears to be in prime health who who doesn't seem to have lost any of his faculties there's no indication that he's declining at all and yet God declares his time is up and he's gone he gets taken then there is Elisha who has spent perhaps five to six years with Elijah up to this point and in a way he's experienced so much in that five to six years and yet in a way his spiritual journey is about to take this huge leap forward he is about to enter a stage that he hasn't been a part of before and back in 1 Kings 19:16, we have Elijah coming to Elisha. Elisha was plowing and Elijah takes his cloak off and throws it over Elisha and anoints him as the prophet who would take Elijah's place. And so it is in this reading this evening that we finally see that fulfilled. Before we get into it, let's pause and pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for how it speaks to us. I thank you, Lord, that there is just so much contained in this passage. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll use this message to uh, transform someone's life. Touch them this evening, I pray, and let them draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, both Elijah and Elisha uh, are well aware that this is Elijah's last day on earth. They both know that he's going to be going. And this is just such an incredible, glorious ending for this man of God. But it's also a new beginning. And for all of us who are following the Lord Jesus Christ, for all of us who call him our Lord and Saviour, we should have this desire to finish well. A question I often ask people is, if you knew God was coming back today, or if you knew that he was going to take your life from you today, what would you do? And I think we have a huge range of answers that we would give in that context if someone was to ask us that question. But it seems that in Elijah's case... And many other Christians down through history, if we'd care to look, they simply continued to do what they were doing. They'd been called by God to do a particular thing. And regardless of the fact that they knew they were about to go, they just continued doing that thing. And it's been an interesting lesson for me because if we are genuinely living in submission to God, if we are genuinely living out each and every day for him, then there's nothing more we need to do. We seem to think that if God is coming back, well, then I should spend some more time repenting of my sin, spending time praying in his presence, reading his word more. But guys, if we are genuinely Christians if we're genuinely following him we should do all that anyway and the very lives that we live are an answer to the call that he has upon our lives that may be sweeping floors in a warehouse it may be being a pastor it may be being a university student whatever it is he has called you at this time in your life for that place where you are and so there's no need 
to spend extra time with your friends. No need to spend extra time with your neighbours who don't know the Lord. No need to spend extra time with your relatives who are yet to come to faith because you do those things as you are prompted by the Lord each and every day anyway. And so if we want to finish well, live your life for God regardless of what's going on. Continue to do what he's called you to do no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's happening around you. And that's what Elijah does. He's been called to go on to Bethel. This account starts with Elijah and Elisha in Gilgal. And then the Lord calls Elijah to go to Bethel. And so he gets up and he goes in that direction. And he doesn't appear to question or second guess uh, why God would be telling him to do this. He's decided to follow God. And so he just does whatever God tells him to do. And so he goes to Bethel. Then he goes to Jericho. Then he goes to the Jordan. And each and every time, God declares that the Lord has sent him to these places. And we can't know fully what the reasons are for God to send him to these places, but I think there's a couple of things that when you consider them, uh, they do have merit. So in each of these cases, Elijah and Elisha meet the sons of the prophets. Now guys, when it says sons of prophets, they're not sons of prophets, they're actually prophets, they're just students. Okay, and it's highly likely that um, these schools, these sons of prophets were set up by Elijah. But originally, uh, it was Samuel that set up these schools of prophets. But these ones were, uh, in particular, ones that Elijah perhaps has set up. And so here is Elijah. He's visiting and he's seeing these schools of prophets, these sons of prophets. He's perhaps offering them words of encouragement, building them up in the faith, preparing them for the fact that he won't be visiting them anymore, that this is his last day. And perhaps he does say a few farewells as well. Uh, It's questionable whether he would have done that because he's just serving the Lord the way the Lord has always called him to do so. And so his main thing would be to encourage and build them up in the faith while he's there. And so it seems that Elijah continues in that role as head prophet, for the lack of a better term. And he does that until the very end, until the Lord takes him. And it's likely, too, that in the midst of this is the final training um, for his faithful servant and pupil, Elisha. And uh, as I said back in 1 Kings 19, 19, Elijah has anointed Elisha to be prophet in his place and cast his cloak upon him and it's interesting when we read what happened with that cloak uh, in the reading of the word this evening as they move from town to town Elijah says to Elisha stay here I've been called to go on further the next town stay here I've been called to go on further and I believe that's a test In each and every situation, Elisha refuses to stay in those towns. He says, I will not leave your side. And it would seem that Elijah is testing the strength and commitment of his disciple. Elisha also, knowing that the time was near for his master, for his father, for his friend to be taken, possibly wanted to spend as much time with him as possible, to glean as much as he could from him to know a final blessing which wasn't uncommon in those days when someone was to pass. It would have been a tough day all around for Elisha. But he endured to the end. 
But in the midst of this, the question is, would he endure? Would he be able to go to the very end? Could you imagine what it would have been like for Elisha if he had just said, hey, I'm just going to stay with these sons of prophets. I'm going to teach them, which no one would have thought any less of him for doing that. But imagine the blessing he would have missed out on. Imagine the incredible scene that he wouldn't have got to see if he didn't endure to the end. And the reason why that's enduring for him is that Elisha had committed his life to God and he committed his life to following Elijah to never leave his side. And that was his call at this time. So even though he was tired, they'd covered quite a few Ks walking around and everything like that. It would have been very easy for him to give up. It would have been very easy to have a rest. And as I said, it would have been very easy to justify pausing by staying with the sons of the prophets. But he didn't do that. He strayed true to that call. He held fast to his commitment and he endured to the very end. Maybe there's a bit of each of us in this story. Maybe you started along that journey and and things have got a little bit dry along the way. You read God's word and it doesn't speak to you as clearly as it once did. You, You pray and it's like there's this brass ceiling. You question whether God is actually listening to you and you begin to doubt whether God is actually real the Christian life is hard the things that once brought joy to you don't do so anymore the things that used to spur you on just fall a little bit flat will you continue will you endure to the end Will you be faithful and obedient to the call of God upon your life? Again, imagine if Elisha gave up. All that he would have missed out on. And so for him and for us, the message is, don't get distracted. I said it many times, And it hasn't changed. I still believe it's true. God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us. He has placed us here at SDBC for a particular reason. And he has gifted each and every one of us in a unique way. But we have to stay true to his call in our lives. We have to ensure that we are not distracted from doing what he has called us to. I want you to think about Elijah. Man... He's about to be taken by God. What an incredible thing. How amazing is that? You know, and if that was me, I've got to be honest, I'm such an idiot. I'd be like, hey, guys, God said he's going to do this. You should come and have a look. This is going to be so cool. And, you know, there'd just be this wanting to tell others about it, wanting to speak about it. But he doesn't. You know, he is going to be welcomed into God's presence in a way that is never going to be repeated. Enoch was taken as well. But Elijah's transition is truly amazing, truly incredible. But he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't even mention it to Elisha. Elisha is made aware spiritually as well. And so are the sons of um, prophets. He just continues to fulfill his role. He continues to do what he's been called to do. He knows God's going to take care of whatever happens. And he's quite happy to leave it in his hands. And if God says to him that I'm going to take you miraculously, yep, okay. Whatever happens, Lord, 
is in your hands. And so he doesn't bask in the glory of that. He doesn't um, tell anyone about it. He has a call, he has a purpose, and he's just going to fulfill that. Nothing else matters until the very end. And what about Elisha? He knows that Elijah is going to be taken from him. He could have been caught up in the sorrow of that. He could have thought about, woe is me, what am I going to do? And if Elijah is going to be taken, what's the point of this last six years? I mean, seriously. It isn't just our own thinking that can hinder us. We must be sure of our call and hold fast to it. Think about, this is Elisha's teacher saying to him, please stay here, mate. I'm just going to go on a little bit further because God's called me there. Says it to him three times. It would have been very easy for Elisha to say, well, I should obey my master. I should obey he who has been teaching me for so long. But Elisha thinks back to the commitment that he made. And he says, no, I'm going to stay beside you. I will never leave you. It's a bit like what happened with the disciples in John 6. And Jesus had said a particularly difficult thing and so many disciples turned away from him at that time. And he turns to the 12 and he says, what about you guys? Are you going to leave me too? But where could they go? Even though they didn't understand it fully, they, they did understand that Jesus was the only way to eternal life. And so it was for Elisha. The only way to fulfill his call was to stay true to his convictions, was to stay right alongside Elijah. And it's interesting too, sometimes it is those of the faith who may be the source of our distraction. Think about the sons of the prophets. They, they come alongside Elisha in, in this account and we can't know the motivation for what they're saying to Elisha, but he could have easily been distracted by that. For whatever reason, they feel that they've got to come along and keep telling Elisha about that which he already knows. It's interesting, did they think that God would reveal it to them and not to Elisha? As this, this way he speaks to them too, it's almost a rebuke. Yes, I know, keep quiet. And it goes even a little bit further than that. He, it, it, they believe that he was actually um, speaking to the sons of prophet and saying, yes, we know this, but don't waste your time asking Elijah about it. Ask relevant questions. Ask questions that are going to be good for you, questions that are going to grow. This is the last time you're going to see him. So ask questions um, that you want answers to at this time. Don't waste time talking about what is going to happen. And so it's the resolve of both Elijah and Elisha not to be swayed from their purpose, not to be swayed from their call, that allows them to receive great blessing. And so it's faithful living that brings that blessing. They come to the Jordan River. It's just incredible that uh, this is where this happens, this place where Elijah is going to be taken. The Jordan was parted for Israel to enter into the promised land. And here the Jordan has parted as Elijah enters his promised rest. I just love that. And then this incredible thing that happened is explained in a few very short verses. And it's just like, oh, I want so much more. I want to know exactly what went on. But this verse proves to me 
But Elijah was testing Elisha. He wanted to see if he would remain true to the end. Every time he asked him to stay behind, it was just a test. And, and something stirred in Elijah as he crosses the Jordan. He knows time is short. And so he turns to his faithful servant and he says, what can I do for you? What would you ask of me? And this is a really defining moment. Elisha could have asked for anything. He could have asked for fame and fortune and wealth and position and status and prestige and long life. And he asked for none of that. He doesn't ask for anything that is earthly or worldly. But he does want what the firstborn son is entitled to. He's not asking for two portions of the Holy Spirit, okay? He's not asking for that. You either have Holy Spirit or you don't. What he's asking for is Elijah's office. He's asking for his position. That which he was destined for. That which Elijah had thrown his cloak over and commissioned him for. But he knows he can't do that on his own. He needs to be empowered. He needs to be equipped. He needs to be strengthened. And he knows the only way he can do this is if it is a work of God. And so it's the spiritual that he desires. He doesn't seek anything for himself, but only that which will allow him to live a life like Elijah did, a life that brings honour and glory to God and him alone. And it isn't a request that's made lightly. Elisha understands the value of what he is asking for and how incredibly unworthy he is to ask such a thing. But it's because of his unworthiness, his weakness, his inabilities, which cause him to seek that which only God can give. Not Elijah, the one true God. And so Elisha's asking, Elijah, let him anoint me as he anointed you. Let him equip me and qualify me just as he has you. And Elijah says, you've asked a very hard thing. I don't know if Elijah paused. I looked back over his life and saw the struggles that he had. He had to stand against a whole kingdom, stand against the king, stand against his wife, stand against the prophets of Baal. And there were times when it was just so disheartening, times when the struggle was great. People opposed him. People refused to obey. The prophets were beaten, stoned, sometimes killed. So what Elisha asked is a hard thing. And in fact, it's impossible for man, but it's possible for God. And so Elijah says, if it's the spiritual want, spiritual you want, the final test will be a spiritual test as well. If you see me as I am being taken, it will be yours. But if you do not see me, it will not be yours. This is something that Elijah couldn't give. It was totally up to God, and so they leave it up to God. Will you see with your physical eyes, or will you see with your spiritual eyes? A prophet needs wisdom, he needs discernment, he needs the ability to look beyond the obvious to what is lying behind what is happening. And that's a sensitivity that only a true man of God can have. And so the time's upon them. The chariots of fire and the horses of fire separate them. 
A whirlwind comes and Elijah is taken. Elisha is left behind. But he saw it. He saw it. We don't have time to go into it, but the chariots of fire and the horses of fire are angels. It's clear in Psalms. And so these angels came and they take Elijah. And Elisha focuses on Elijah as he's taken up in this whirlwind. There's 20 prophets, sons of prophets, standing on the other side of the Jordan. And I don't think they saw it. They didn't have the spiritual eyes to do so. I think they were looking out on the plain and they saw Elijah and Elisha walking across there. They saw this whirlwind. They didn't even see the chariots. They saw this whirlwind and the whirlwind cleared and suddenly it's just Elisha. And there's an interesting thing, which I'll touch on a little bit later. My father, my father, remember, Elijah has gone. And then Elisha cries this, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Just keep that in the back of your mind. We'll touch on it soon. He took hold of his robes and he tore them. He's he's grieving, he's mourning. This is one of the most incredible moments recorded in history. It's just in a few lines. And there's some things here for us that we should be aware of and I'm just going to touch on them very briefly. The first thing is, God's given us an insight into what death's like for us. Elijah gets taken. And so death is not a condition. Death is not a state of being. Death is a door. It's an opening. It's a threshold. It's a bridge to the life that comes after this one. And we just simply need to cross over it from this life to the next. That's exactly what Elijah did. One moment he was here, next moment he was in the very presence of God. That's what death is for us as believers. There can be a little bit of trepidation, but there should never be fear because it's going to be so much better for us to be in his presence in glory. The second thing is, you know, we often say, well, what's the rapture going to be like? If we're going to be caught up in the air, what's that going to be like? Well, I think that's what happened to Elijah, wasn't it? Wasn't he caught up in the air by the angels and he was taken to glory? So if you're wondering about the rapture, guess what? I think that's what happened to Elijah. And I think that's quite clear. The third thing is, God's work continues. Here's this guy, Elijah, one of my heroes. I just think he's absolutely sensational. And yet, when he's taken, the work continues. Someone else steps into the role, and that's Elisha. God will build his church. It's God's work. He can do whatever he wants with that. And he can empower and equip anyone he chooses The next great evangelist for Australia could be sitting here tonight. God calls. Will the next person answer? Will they take up the mantle? Elisha tears his clothes, he's in mourning, his teacher, prophet, spiritual father is gone, so of course he's going to be grieving. But in the midst of that, there's a higher call upon his life. He took up the cloak of Elijah, which had fallen from him, and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And this mantle of Elijah becomes symbolic of the prophet's office and authority. And Elisha is standing on the banks of the Jordan River, on the wrong side of that river. He's standing on the side where if he doesn't cross that river again, nothing's going to happen. But on the other side is this incredible call and ministry that God has called him to. And he rolls up that cloak, that mantle 
of Elijah's. And he strikes the water. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Not where is Elijah, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And he strikes the water and the waters part. The same power, the same glory, the same spirit that was present with Elijah is now present with Elisha. God's spirit not only performed this miracle, but it rested on Elisha. And the prophet saw that. Elisha is a man with the same heart, the same attitude and the same special anointing of God on his life that Elijah had. And it's an anointing that allows him to take God at his word. The 50 prophets on the other side of the Jordan didn't take God at his word. They were told that Elijah was going to be taken by God. And what did they do? They went and searched for him. So the first question for each of us, are you willing to take God at his word? Are you willing to accept, believe and obey all that he says? Each and every one of us are on a journey. We're in a different part of that journey. But we all worship the same God. This is a God who says that he loves you. This is a God who says he has a purpose for you. He says that Jesus came to this earth, he lived a sinless life and he took your punishment upon himself so that God's righteous anger, his wrath could be poured out upon Jesus for the sin of all of humanity, for your sin and for my sin and poured out in such a way on the cross that the price was paid once and for all. And that allowed us to come back into relationship with God. Jesus died that we may know the forgiveness of sin. You just need to believe. And then you need to repent. You need to ask him to forgive your sin. And he's going to do exactly that. He is so faithful to do so. But then he wants you to live for him. He has a plan for you. He doesn't make mistakes. And you have gifts, talents and abilities that are from him to use for his glory and purposes. And he wants you to use them to the best of your ability until he returns or calls you home. And he wants you to finish well so that when you stand in his presence in glory, he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you know when you'll be taken? Could be tonight before you get home. You can be guaranteed to finish well by living for him each and every day. Guys, let's not get distracted from serving him. Life will throw us many curved balls. Stuff happens that we're not expecting. But when we stay focused on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, the author and perfecter, the one who began our faith, the one who will bring it to completion. He's the one who we should be focusing on. And when we do, he will strengthen and guide us. He'll be our ever-present comfort. He will never leave us, never forsake us. And guys, he wants us to win. He wants us to be victorious over our sin. He wants us to be victorious over our trials, our heartaches, our battles. And whatever is holding you back, he already knows about it. And so you might as well take it to him. You might as well ask him to help you with it. And when we do, we draw closer to him. And the blessings come. 
don't hear me saying God's blessing is going to bring you wealth, it's going to bring you status, it's going to bring you position. It's not. But you'll have this growing certainty of that sure hope of life with him eternally. A hope that is secure in him, held by him, never to die, never to be damaged, never to tarnish, never to diminish or fade. He holds that for me. And I'll receive that when I stand in his presence in glory. And finally, will we be willing to take up the mantle? We have a heap of places within SDBC that need godly men and women. We need mentors, we need leaders, we need elders. We need kids' church leaders. In all honesty, for most of these roles, we want to see 30-plus people in them. Our young adults do so much within this church. Next year, we're going to ask some of them to step down from some of their positions because they're simply too busy. They're doing too much. And we need others to step into those roles. And we want people 30-plus to be ministering with our young adults so that the young adults can have some wisdom from these people who've already lived a long time on this earth and have already lived for Jesus. We'd love to have grandma, grandpa type figures in all of our young people's ministry because there's so many kids who don't actually have that figure in their life. And we need that. The final thing I wish to talk about tonight is that the second time I've said that? Sorry. I just want to get to this verse. So 2 Kings 2, 12. Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Then if we go over to 2 Kings 13, Elisha is on his deathbed. The king comes to Elisha. The king of Israel comes to Elisha. Verse 14. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Were there any chariots? Were there any horsemen? No. Then what the heck are these guys saying? In that day and age, the power and strength of a nation was judged by their horses and their chariots. And when Elisha cries out to Elijah, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, he is really saying the power and strength of Israel. And when the king comes to Elisha, that's exactly what he's saying to Elisha, the power and strength of Israel. Why are they saying that? Because these men were godly men who prayed and interceded for the nation and held back so much trouble for them. And I just want to finish by asking, who are the chariots and horsemen for SDBC? We say it over and over again. We have to be prayers. We have to be on our knees. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. God, I know you speak to people and I, I just want you to transform lives. I want Holy Spirit to come and be present with us. I want people to realize their desperate need for you and your willingness to meet them at their point of need, that you will empower and equip them and supply them everything they require to live lives that honour and glorify you. And they can fulfil the call that you have upon their life if only they'd submit to you. So Lord, help me to submit daily. Help us to submit to you daily. Allow us to be found worshipping you. And Lord, let each of us understand that in order to honour and glorify you, to hear that, well done, my good and faithful servant, we just need to do whatever you've called us to do each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, who's got one of these? Oh, okay, we need one of these, if you haven't done this already. Um, can we have someone go up and grab those off the welcoming desk, please, and hand them out? I'm just asking you to grab this. If you haven't done this already, there's a QR code up here. We want you to actually fill this out. Seriously, it took me about 2 minutes, 15 seconds this morning. It is not going to take long. So if you could do all that now, um, please do so. And um, it won't take long. You guys can start scanning that if you wish, if you haven't done it. Michaela, do, is there a slide? I thought there was a slide for this. Cause you can up. No, there's not. Okay. I'll give you a couple of minutes, then I'll close and give the benediction. And uh, you can come up and grab the questions.